I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. What would you do if your house burned down? What would you do if you didn't have time to go back for even one possession? What would you do if all you had to start over again was your laptop and two changes of clothes? Nate and Megan Chatelier can answer those questions and more because on Friday, August 18, 2023, a wildfire swept through their neighborhood. The flames were 150 feet higher than the tree line, and 240 homes were destroyed. Listen as Nate and Megan share what they went through and how they're rebuilding their lives. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. If you listen to the Rob Skinner Podcast, I know a few things about you. You're a kingdom dreamer, a person who wants to save souls and make a difference. I bet you're a person who's a giver, a person who encourages others. My question is, who's encouraging you? Who's lifting up your arms? You need a time, place, and environment that's dedicated to building you up, equipping you, and encouraging you. That place and time is at the CLIMB Conference in Dallas, Texas, this November 30th through December 3rd, 2023. I know, it's so tempting to think, I don't have the money, my church doesn't have the money, I don't have the time, I'm too busy, I've got too much going on in my life. Instead, I want you to think, what could I do if I was around Kingdom Dreamers for three straight days? How could I grow if the people speaking to me really understood my situation and challenges? How could 2024 be different if I went into it fully charged and prepared? That's why you need to register today at robskinner.com if you haven't already. We need each other to fight the good fight. We need to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't cheat yourself. Treat yourself to the most encouraging weekend of 2023. I'll see you in Dallas. Nate and Megan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us back again. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Although I wish the circumstances were different, but glad to be here. <laughs> I know it. I know. Isn't that the truth? Well, the last yeah. time we talked, Nate, you were like just about to leave the country. You were going on a, a massive trip, kind of an experimental trip. And Megan, you were going to homeschool the kids. Can you tell me a little bit about what's happened there in, in your trip to Europe? Oh, so we, you know, had the privilege and it was a privilege to go for a month in Europe. We'd saved up a bunch of miles from our credit cards forever, you know, and uh, so we took our three kids at the time. They're around 9, 11, 13, sometimes I lose track. And it was, you know, I just remember telling someone it was just one of the best months of my life. And it was, I mean, sure, we saw amazing things, you know, Europe's a beautiful country, 
But I think the best part of it was just a celebration. I was with my best friend, my husband, and every day I really enjoyed my children. And we laughed so much yeah, that whole trip. Yeah. And I think, and it really, I would, you know, I was just reflecting on it with a friend and just saying it was a celebration that God somehow has had me still married, married. Cause if you know me, that's kind of a miracle. And that, <laughs> You know, somehow we were blessed with these three beings that are not perfect, but perfect for us. And it was just, it was magical. It wasn't, you know, luxurious or glamorous, but it was full of outdoor activity and so many memories. And we laughed a lot and we laughed at each other. We did. And it was just, it was really special. It was a good season. Okay. So, oh, good. So, Nate, you've, I mean, you've got multiple businesses going on. For the digital nomads out there, how did you manage that? <laughs> my um, so at one of my companies, they're ninjas. My my biggest uh, one, I have thirty eight employees in that, and our my rule is you can live anywhere you want to live, but you got to do a couple things. One, you have to work specific hours. Two, you have to be a U.S. citizen because there's legal things that get complicated if you're not. Um, and then three, the work has to get done. So this was uh, a chance for me to abide by that myself and, and prove that it's doable. Um, so I continue to work Pacific hours, which depending on which time zone we were in, we went to many different countries, was um, 5 p.m. till like about 2 a.m. Um, and honestly, it worked awesome. Uh, it was better than we thought. I'm a night owl anyway, so yeah. it worked great. Megan likes the mornings uh-huh. and uh, I don't and my kids don't. And so, <laughs> you know, a lot of places in Europe are not they're not morning cities in a lot of places. And so, for example, in Portugal, um, she loved, Megan loves to run and any athletic activities. And she'd go up in the morning, she'd go for her early morning run or prayer, and the city is just quiet. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, our house is quiet. We're all sleeping and mom's gone. Uh, <laughs> and everybody won. Uh, it was great for all of us. You recently faced a catastrophe. Yeah. Where were you? And what was the first indication something was happening? Yeah, we had, so speaking of Nerd Ninjas, um, I, we twice, because it's a fully distributed studio, um, one of the things, I, I think remote work is phenomenal, um, but it's not without legit drawbacks. And one of them is you miss the FaceTime and you need, I think we as humans need FaceTime um, and water cooler time. It builds trust. It does so many different things. So what I do is twice a year, I fly the whole staff together and we have a weekend of fun um, a big retreat together. And we've done everything from uh, zip lining and escape rooms and private casinos and murder mysteries and whitewater rafting and all kinds of different things. Um, and I have the best party planner ever. Uh, <laughs> Megan does a phenomenal job. Um, and so coincidentally, uh, this Friday uh, that this tragedy happened was the first day of this retreat. So we had spent all morning back and forth to the airport, picking up loads and loads and people and bringing them back to my house. And so, I don't know, we've had maybe 30-ish people or something at my home. Yeah, maybe more. Without cars. Um, and yeah, most of them did. I have, I have, do have some local people to Spokane mm-hmm. who had some cars and were going to help us to transport people, thankfully. So we were mm-hmm. going this weekend up to Silver Mountain Resort. And it's this beautiful resort with an indoor water park mm-hmm. and up in the mountains. Just yeah. great. It was awesome. We were going to do this thing called the Hiawatha bike trail, which I hope people get to do at some point in their life. It's phenomenal. Um, and so anyway, we, we had some people there with cars, but most of these people, we picked them up from the airport. They didn't have cars. We've been shuttling them all morning. And then it was kind of eerie. We, we get on our, all of our phones, you know, start getting that emergency alert buzz thing. 
And it says, evacuate your house now, literally in all capitals. And it says, this may be your only warning. And that day, earlier that same morning, um, a fire started. Um, I think the details are still a little muddy, but it sounds like it was on a farmer's land nearby while they were out working. But still a ways from us, you know, and yeah. it was like, oh, okay, there's a fire, not worried about it because yeah. it's common this time of year. But winds were peaking at 40 miles an hour and it spread extremely fast. You would say what that guy said. Yeah. So, you know, these are pieces that we learn later on, but I think it helps fill in the gaps for why it was such a quick evacuation, which is uncommon. Usually you get warnings, you can get stuff and you can go, right? But one of the firefighters who was on this fire, who'd been doing it for decades, said he had never fought a fire that moved this rapidly and this unexpectedly. And they went in, you know, with their trucks and their crews, and they had four points of exit, always important, you know, for their safety. And then in a matter of minutes, they were down to one and they just had to get out. And there was a chief fire marshal, I'm probably using the wrong terms, and he'd been fighting fires for 35 years. And he said, it was so severe, I couldn't even save my own house on this one. So it was the perfect storm for just rapid destruction and massive destruction too. And then in addition to that, I've got a house full of people. Mm -hmm. And so when we get that evacuation, you know, everybody looks at me, my house, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Megan had, um, I had driven, driven to the airport. We have an eight seater vehicle and I had left her at the airport and we were getting another eight seater vehicle to rent to help take care of everybody. So I just left her at the airport and then took a full entire load of people back to our house. And then Megan was going to take a few more people from the airport and come back. And we needed that vehicle for seats. And then we, we get this. And so I remember telling everybody in the house, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to panic. I'm going to sign people to cars. Mm -hmm. We're going to get in cars. When your car is full, you're going to leave and we're going to go. Mm -hmm. And we started just assigning people and cars started leaving, leaving, leaving. And we're down to the last group of people. And this now you can just see, I mean, the sky's intense. It's black, the flames, the winds are high. And I know we got to go. And I remember calling Megan and saying, you are speeding home. I don't care about any traffic tickets or anything else. You're rushing here. But unfortunately, she's driving into the chaos and the fire and everything else. And I had everybody up at the top of the driveway. And so I have a car with eight people that need to get in. And Megan's got another eight. And she comes in and poor Megan wanted to go in the house and grab things, you know, her photo books and some memories and some irreplaceable things. And I told her, you cannot, we're, we're getting people and we're going. And that's what happened. And it's very sad that we didn't get to grab things. You know, we <laughs> lost like everything. Our house is gone. Um, our stuff, everything is gone. Um, but all of the people are safe. Yeah. And we had a neighbor who was still in their driveway. And I told him as we were leaving, his name's Rodney and I'm yelling, Rodney, you have to leave right now. And we just, we drive away. And he calls me 10 minutes later mm -hmm. and he said, Nate, I tried leaving. The fire has crossed the road. It's yeah. the only exit. I'm trapped. I can't get out. Oh my yeah, it gosh. Was, I was so grateful for Nate's assertiveness, you know, God working. I don't know the full details, right? But just the effectiveness of not grabbing anything, although it's so hard because there are these photo books and so many things, or even the monetary things like such as money or, or all, all of our electronics. But I just, as I was, you know, people just hopped in and we took off and I remember driving and going as fast as I could because I could see the fire that was right at the edge of the road and just 
pushing as hard as I could on that gas pedal to get through. And it was so scary. I still feel like the increased heart rate as I like describe the situation, because I've never been in anything like that. And so I'm just grateful to God that all of our guests who were remarkable and, you know, our dear best friends of Baldwin's who are there, like helping immensely, you know, so um, I'm just so grateful we all made it out. So, oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. So what, what about your kids? Where were your kids? Okay. This is the, I'm so glad you asked. So, <laughs> you know, there's definitely beauty from ashes in this story. And uh, this is one of the most amazing things. And I, I don't know how God works. He's far too wise for me. So this is my s- small speculation. And so ages ago, I had contacted my mom to fly up and she was supposed to be alone with our three kids, uh, dependent kids at home and then with no car because we needed all of our cars. And so the morning of me picking her up, so it would have been Wednesday, the fire happened Friday. I was like, oh, I better just recheck these plane tickets. And because of my mis- random mistake, which I've never done in my life, and I give <laughs> the credit to God, um, I had booked the wrong date. So so if she would... If that had happened, she would have been alone in her house and to repeat, no car, three young kids, and we would have left earlier. So I can't even let my mind go there. Like she would, they probably made it somehow. Sure. Right. But how traumatic would that have been? And for the kids to see, like, it was, it was really scary. And so I just, and so because of this, a dear friend of mine, um, you know, Alicia and Tassie came and grabbed my kids, like. Earlier that morning, before any concern, my kids were off on a vacation in Montana, just, you know, protected and taken care of and loved. And I just, I'm so just in awe that God would arrange that. So it's just incredible. So your mom was scheduled to come and babysit while you guys were away at this retreat site up in the mountains. But somehow or other, you, you made a booking mistake. And yeah. so she couldn't Thank come. God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. It's just, it's incredible. So what, that's okay. Incredible. Tell me what's, what's going through your mind as all this is happening and you see this wall of flames. Are, are there thoughts? What's, what's happening inside? Yeah. The, the flames ended up, I don't know. Um, this is the picture of oh our gosh. house, but um, the flames were, they got, they rose to 150 feet above the tree line. So it was, intense and we know it, it melted um aluminum and other stuff this whole beam and everything so we know it got to at least 1200 degrees like our neighbors had fire safes that are just gone there's there's nothing mm-hmm. left and cars were melted yeah completely gone mm-hmm. i mean there's nothing left of our house and possessions at all and i so when of course we didn't know this yet right that this was going to be the case um but it was it was clearly severe and i remember thinking we've got all of the people that was so important to me at the beginning. And if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, there is an internal battle still. Um, and mm-hmm. even, a like if, if I, I, I hate the what ifs, right. But it's hard. We didn't sleep well. We're still not totally sleeping well, but for, for many nights in the beginning, we slept really poorly and I'm just playing back everything in my head. And, you know, I think if we didn't have this retreat, we didn't have all these people, like we could have saved something, you know, from our house, but, but because of all this, we saved nothing. And in hindsight, it was the right call, you know, to focus on the people and forget the possessions. Um, and so really that's what I was thinking in the moment when it happened. Now I've had lots of thoughts since then, but in the moment I thought <laughs> I need to get the people and get the people out of there. 
Yeah. And mine fluctuated depending on the moment. I felt very emotionally labile. And, you know, to one degree, I don't know of anyone whose house has completely been destroyed by fire directly. Right. I'm like, that's not going to happen. You know, this this doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. No. And to, you know, maybe stated, maybe not. We live 50 feet from a lake, right? From our back door. And the planes are constantly taking water throughout the summer uh, from our lake to put out fires. So part of me is like, it's not going to burn our house. We're right on a lake. You know, they can use that. Now, little did I know the winds were so bad and the fire was so hot that they couldn't even use that strategy, you know? So, uh, but, and, and then another part of me too, is like, God, I, to the best of my self-reflection, you know, or assessment, I guess, you know, we, we use our house constantly because we love it not because we're selfless people necessarily, but it's rare that there's a day that goes by without, you know, extra people at our dinner table or people staying in all of our guest rooms. And we really built this house. Like I said, it's very clean conscious to create community, you know, and to just love people. And, and I feel like we really did that, you know, hospitality is just something I love. And so I, I just remember thinking like, God, you wouldn't burn our house down because I do feel like it's an extension of a church building, if I may use that, or just, we love our friends from church, right. not from church. Right. You know, we just, so I think I was just battling that, like, you wouldn't do that, God. Um, and then, but as I'm seeing the flames, I'm like, well, you might. And so, <laughs> oh, you should. Oh, I hate to so, laugh. It's just like, oh my gosh. No, no I, hey, we oh. laugh. We laugh. And, and many people at church, even since it has happened, have messaged us and said, that was the church's second home, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was destroyed. And um, so they're, they're still there still is a lot of questions and confusion. I can get more into that later if you'd like, but there was a lot of why didn't you choose to spare our house, right? I don't think God caused this, but I absolutely believe God could have chosen to spare our house if he wanted to. Um, and and why didn't he? Um, and I'm happy to explore that more later, but that's, I think, what we were thinking in the beginning. Wow. Okay. So, so the house completely wiped out. I, I saw a picture. There's the chimney still there. It's, uh, no, I know it's not no, no, there. No, no. Oh, it's there's. It's not okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you a picture. I know people are listening, but it is. Yeah. The, I mean, a pile of ashes, and there's no exaggeration. Oh my gosh. This is four thousand square feet plus, and you can see it's just a pile of ashes. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So. So yeah, so I made a pretty clear cut. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the structure is completely destroyed. What, what are, mm-hmm. can you share some of the things that you lost on the inside? I mean, everything. <laughs> uh, things of value. Maybe, maybe that would be, uh, you know, what I miss the most is, you know, when kids are little, they make you mother's day gifts or different things like that. And I dearly miss that. And uh, we weren't ones to collect things. The one exception is for experiences. Like when we went to Europe, every country we went to or significant city, we would pick out a Christmas ornament and then we write on the back, the memory. And so each Christmas, as we pull out these ornaments, which I have been collecting since birth, courtesy of my mom, of course, and for my kids. And then we were planning on giving those to my kids mm. once they left the house and like, and so, you know, that's, that's something I'll miss. And there will be different times of grieving. And when Christmas comes, I will grieve that because oh I loved each ornament. A kid would pull one out and say, Oh, this is when we went cross country skiing and then went hot tubbing. And so that, you know, things like that, that's hard. So. Yeah, we, we lost, um, 
I mean, my, my office was destroyed, you know, and everything that's in there. And that's, that's my livelihood, you know, is with that. And um, I did, thankfully, I had my laptop in my backpack. So that mm -hmm. was spared, but um, I actually have multiple computers. It's what I do for work, you know, yeah. and so that, that was all gone, all the monitors and everything. Um, and then upstairs, I'm a board game designer as well. And um, so we had, we built in this house, um, a closet for board games. And it was a walk-in board game closet. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I've been collecting those for a very, very, very long time. And going to as many conventions as I do for board games, what happens quite often is you you meet other creators and I like their game and we'll end up doing a game swap and sign each other's boxes. Oh. And so I had all these signed boxes by other creators, including um, Klaus Toiba. He's the creator of Catan. And um, I had worked with him and his, his two sons, actually, I'd spent multiple times in Germany um, and he had, he had signed a box for me and it meant a lot to me. That particular game brought me into this era of gaming mm -hmm. and he was an amazing man and he's passed away um, maybe six months ago-ish or so. Oh and gosh. that's irreplaceable. Um, and that, that meant a lot to me personally. Um, I know it's weird, but it did. Um, and that's gone. Um, and then there was just, you know, possessions that are replaceable, but still sting like, we had backup cat. Um, ironically, our emergency cash is burned <laughs> to the ground in the emergency. You know, and, live and learn, baby. Yeah, <laughs> all of our clothes. You know, everything. Everything is just gone. I know. It's so I stepped out to get some fresh air that night, and you know we're up in the mountains, and the weather was great, so I didn't pack a jacket. But I remember going outside, and being like, "Oh, it's a little chilly." And then I remember thinking, "I don't own a jacket anymore. <laughs> this is really." It was just sobering. You know, we're just like, "Oh, I need to trim my fingernails." I don't own a pair of fingernail clippers. So it's, it's a very humbling position. Wow. That's yeah. for sure. Oh my gosh. That's, it's hard to imagine. It's just, it's just hard to imagine. You can't, you came back after the fire I'm, the next day or a couple of days. Um, so we had this retreat booked um, for, for two nights, three okay. days. Um, and, and so we, the plan, what I do for these retreats that we have twice a year, um, it's, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then on the summer retreat, you, we, the reason we built on a lake, we, we truly love, like genuinely love to give back right. um, of all of that. And so we, uh, in many, many ways, we have people over a lot and I own a boat. I have one of my businesses, a Silver Lake School of Wake was, I guess. Um, and so we have people out there. I teach them how to wakeboard and wake surf. Um, and so anyway, the, what I did was I told my staff, if you would like to optionally stay one more night, we're closing the studio on Monday, you can stay at my home um, Sunday night. And then Sunday will just be a casual day. Anybody wants to play in the water, I'll teach you how to wakeboard and wake surf. And we'll just hang out um, on the lake with no real agenda. And how many people did that? In total, there's, oh gosh, I don't know. There was 48 people at this retreat adults. Uh, I think we ended up having 20 something people Sounds stay. Sounds right that Sunday night. So now we have no more house. Right. <laughs> and so why we're up at, at Silver Mountain, we're trying to think like on top of everything else, like we have to take care of people, you know, for this whole weekend, this is all of our plans and everything else. We have to be hospitable, you know, amidst this devastation. And so Megan, uh, she's amazing. And she pushed through and she booked hotel rooms for everybody else and got that all figured out for Sunday night. And uh, Ryan and Troy Baldwin, they're um, disciples, very, very dear friends of ours. And he's also an employee of mine. Um, and he said, you know what, I'm going to have everybody over to my house all day Sunday. We'll play games. Um, we'll do, don't worry about it. We'll just take care of it. And they get a lot of credit for giving us relief that we really needed um, on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and then we just started becoming vagabonds at that point. Yeah. Okay. So 
hold on a second. You guys went ahead with the retreat? Yeah. Yeah, we did. I mean, we didn't, what am I, we got 48 people here. They've flown from all over. Um, We need to do this. So that Friday night when we're up at the retreat, Mm it was very hard emotionally, frankly. And I remember Megan and I both, it was like three in the morning or something. And Megan's like, you awake? Yep. You awake? Yep. And we're just, we just talked through the night because neither of us could sleep. Um, And we just both decided tomorrow uh, we have this 13 mile bike ride. We've got all this different stuff going on. Let's try to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. and let's be giving and let's have a great retreat. And then on Sunday, we'll get back to reality. Mm -hmm. And I can't say we were flawless at all at compartmentalizing, Um, but we went through with it all. And we we rode the bike all the way down this mountain. And then we get to the Megan processes things through physical activity. So after we arrive at the bottom of the mountain, Megan says, there's a bus that takes you back up for everybody. And she says, I'm going to ride back up. Oh my gosh. And she just takes off. So that I'm like chasing her, trying to catch her. <laughs> She's way better biking than I am. And, uh, anyway, we, we made it up to the top and I thought I might've died the whole time. And she was like, oh, this is pretty easy. So, <laughs> uh, but we made it. It is cool that God is set up. You know, we, I, I, we love the mountains, you know, and physical activity and just that, you know, he had, or either way circumstances we happen to be mountains happen to have rented bikes so and it just helped to be able to process that and uh just and everyone there were was so kind and so graceful so really a lot of credit goes to our guests they were remarkable and could not have been more supportive and more wonderful at that time so credit goes to them unbelievable that's okay how how did you enlist your faith in god in order to face this disaster? So there's been a number of times in my life where I feel like I have been, this has been through some level of a tragedy or severe situation um, from, and I won't dive too much into this, but from a childhood when my my mom attempted suicide and ended up in a mental institute for a while and my parents divorcing and my new stepmom telling me, I don't want you to live in my roof anymore. To me losing, this is lesser, but getting laid off from my first job that I was, I thought was a big deal at the time. And when I, when I look back every single time, the scripture holds true that God works out all things for the good of those that love him. And I just believe, like, I deeply believe that deeply. And that doesn't mean that I understand it. And I've had a lot of honest prayers with God and I still don't understand, you know, why this happened. Um, and I feel like Megan with a very clean conscience, we gave and gave and gave. We built our dream home. We got to live in it for one year and we built it to give was like the reason we built that house. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why God would do this. I I still don't, but I can say that I genuinely believe God has a plan. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he was pushing us out of the nest and saying, you know, we can talk about maybe what we're doing next. Um, That might've been it. One person said, I was talking to one other person who was a Christian and he said, you know, maybe the reason God didn't choose to spare your house is God says he doesn't give us more than we can handle. And he knows that you two are capable of handling this and rising from the ashes. Um, And maybe we need to be able to counsel other people in the midst of tragedy. And I don't know the answer yet. I believe God will show us eventually um, what that is. (laughs) Capable. (laughs) We'll see. How about about you, Megan? I don't know if this is the right time to talk about the beauty. Uh, I know I keep saying beauty from ashes, you know, Isaiah 61, you know, praise instead of despair. 
and it's a process, you know, it's definitely the processing grief for sure stages. And so, but the, the good things are the kindness that we have just been blown away by. Yes. I mean, unreal, you know, I, there's too many people, you know, to list the prayers, you know, my blood family's just been so generous. We're staying with them right now, you know, and just so many good things. And I think though, what is taught me spiritually, you know, we hear about Paul, who's just this incredible guy who, uh, you know, he's here and I'm so low. I can't even put my hand that low. And, uh, you know, he talks about being content. And even before I was born, like my mom had a whole closet of clothes for me, you know, and then to go to owning <laughs> two changes of clothes. And I just think he talks about being content in all situations right. in times of need and want. And I, I think this has been a really good experience for me to be content. And, you know, I think perspective is a blessing and a curse, like perspective of I'd burn my house down in a heartbeat instead of having a kid go through cancer, you know, but it's also a curse because it's still a process. But I just think I'm so grateful that God is teaching me through this. And even that I feel like he's prepared us. Even we mentioned yeah. Europe with you. And as odd as this is, you know, we kept saying when we are together, we are home. And I really felt that way. We were able to reunite with our kids Sunday night, which was wonderful, right? We could entertain our amazing guests and process a little before we saw them. And I just remember just this had deep exhalation of, okay, we're good. We got this, you know? And, and I think that was helpful because one of the hardest times and still hard for me to talk about that crying was when I was processing this and thinking, oh, I'm going to get my babies. I know they're nine, 11 and 13, but they're always my babies. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a home to take them to. Mm. Where do I take them? And so that's hard, but it's good. Mm. So there is good, but it's been hard. That's all. It was, it was what she said though. I, I just want to emphasize when we were in Europe, we, we literally said, we have discovered that wherever our family is, that's home. Mm. Like we said that literal phrase mm -hmm. and then this happened. And and so I don't know if God was preparing, like, I'm going to hold you to that statement or what. I know he has a sense of humor at times, but um, we're, we're living that we're doing that. You know, in, in, I'm sure you've thought this through, but in, in one way you've been handed an opportunity to, to literally start from scratch. Like, you know, like what you mentioned about Paul, he said, but if we have food and clothing, we'll be, we'll be content with that. Yeah. How, moving forward, how are you going to rebuild your life and your home? It's a good question. We're still figuring it out, frankly. Um, I do think of, um, you know, in, in Matthew six, right. When it's talking about, see how the grass, the field is and the birds and they, you know, God takes care of them and everything else. And um, the interesting thing about, that verse, um, cause it says, you know, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. And the, the funny thing is, did we have treasures on earth is a, is a definite yes. Mm -hmm. You know, we did have treasures on earth. Um, but I, I feel like at the end of that, you know, it says, uh, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also, I, I think maybe I'm tricking myself. I, I don't think that my treasures were my home or where my heart was. Mm -hmm. I, I think we had treasures on earth to give to others. And I feel like our actions supported that. Um, mm -hmm. So the hard thing is, you know, I think of that scripture, what is it? Um, he who has money should use it to make friends <laughs> or, or whatever. Right, Luke 16. Um, yeah, exactly. We don't have a lot to offer. So we nope. had to use whatever we had to make friends. Uh, that's true. Um, but I, I feel like 
that was, I felt like that was a role, you know, all the different parts of the body, right. Are, are for different purposes. And I felt like that was a role of ours. We could be very generous and we loved to be generous. We loved hospitality. And I think most people, when we shared how frequently we had hospitality, they would think we're out of our minds, which we are, uh, but we, we were energized by it. And I felt like God had given us both. Like if one of us liked it, one of us didn't, it wouldn't work. Right. But we both just love mm -hmm. hospitality. So I think as we rebuild, that's one of the things that I'm wrestling with is God, I thought that was a role of mine. You know, I thought that was a gift was, was hospitality. And maybe I was mistaken. Maybe, maybe my heart was attached to treasures. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think so, but I, I'm not sure what he's trying to do with that. Mm -hmm. So over the next, at least nine months, we try to figure this out. You want to share? Why don't you share? Yeah. You know, to piggyback and I'll answer that question. It, I think there's a part of us or a lot of us always wants like this adventure, right? And, you know, Bible talks about throw off it all, throw off all that hinders you. And like, it would have been stupid for us to just like burn our house down before, right? Like very <laughs> DSM-5 classification for sure. Uh, but there is something really freeing about that. Like there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of work. Like we need socks and underwear. Oh, yeah. Like there's some for a family of five, you know, but this is exciting and there is a part of me that just craved this i think and so even though i'm mourning a former life you know this is an opportunity we could not have chosen ourselves you know i would have never chosen to get rid of all that stuff but god maybe gave us a gift um, or maybe not maybe we're just making it into a gift lemonade out of lemons so yeah for the next nine months our home base is definitely spokane that's where people that we love live, you know, we just are so grateful for that city and uh, so many things, but we are going to explore, you know, so we are still working out the finite details, but uh, likely will include Europe. We're looking at some different family mission trips, you know, some uh, different Costa Rica, you know, we just, we, as a family, a part of our fabric is outdoor recreation. And so we are excited to integrate more of that and do it together. I've always heard of people when they're empty nesters they do these great adventures and I always thought oh I just would like to do those with my kids so our kids are doing remote learning we'll see how that goes start technically start today and I uh, we don't like we keep saying we don't know where this road will take us but we're going there together wow so our our home base will be Spokane but nine months we're going to do a little exploring so up on that journey um two two things like we're going to for example part of the homeschool or virtual learning we'll go to we think we, for example, might go to DC and then we'll incorporate that into the kids' education and, mm -hmm. and then visit the church there. And I think that's one of the things I want my kids to see and I want to see too and yeah. feel like the kingdom is not Spokane. You know, it's much, mm -hmm. much bigger than that. And I think there's unique perspectives. We've been going, you know, we went last Sunday to the church here in Boise and got to experience all of that. And then we coincidentally, coincidentally, air quotes, um, Sean Wooten was here <laughs> the week before this happened to talk about Revive. Uh, and so we, he and I have been corresponding back and forth. We're setting, we have a zoom call for next week to talk about, maybe we go join and revive for a month, um, and yeah. just see what happens and let our kids experience that. And we talked about, maybe we do a family trip with hope. Um, and we go do that for a while. And so we, I can't pretend we know yet. There's a lot mm -hmm. we're dealing with insurance madness, which is frustrating, but mm -hmm. we're going to try to make the most out of this. The fact that we are homeless and possessionless there's a kind of a gift in that um, wow. and we can do some unique things. That's right. Yeah. We joked Sean Wooten very, just matter of factly was not boasting or anything. Just all of his possessions fit into a little suit, you know, travel on suitcase. And I remember shortly after this happened for whatever reason, cynical or not, I don't know, but thinking, huh, family of five and all of our possessions fit into a travel on suitcase now. <laughs> <laughs> 
good times. That's right. You can te- you can teach him a lesson or two. <laughs> Never. I mean, okay, so now I know that you guys we you talked a little bit about Portugal. You really like Portugal in your visit. I don't know how strong the church is there, what's going on, status or anything. How about a mission team to Portugal? What do you think about that? So I actually, funny you said that. We we truly talked about, we would love to be a part of a mission team to Portugal. And um, I, mission, I mentioned that to Sean and he his response was, love that plan. Come join me for a year on Revive, get trained up, and then let's send the mission team together, uh, was his response. Very Sean response. Um, you know, we have, we haven't talked about that. Um, maybe, uh, I love, love, love Portugal. Megan's eyes are getting excited right now. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, there's a lot, right. Who knows what the future holds? Um, we did, we fell in love, you know, outside of when I'm in the mountains, I was telling Nate, you know, when I was in Portugal, I just felt like I was home, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it's unpolished and yet beautiful city. So we don't know. And we will see where this road takes us. That's right. There's so, so many. After nine months, we'll see. I, yeah. it, it's such an interesting thing because literally you can go any any direction in so many different ways. The world is wide open for you. So that's, it's just kind of exciting when you think about that. We Pam and I, um, for her birthday, I took her to Portugal and it was awesome. We went there for two weeks and drove, put like 1,200 miles on a car and went to tons of cities and we just loved it. So I definitely share your... Um, affinity for for Portugal's wonderful place. What's awesome. what's changed for you guys after going through this traumatic and traumatic with a capital T, genuinely traumatic, not someone looked at you wrong in the fellowship, but we're talking about a traumatic <laughs> experience. What's going to be different for you guys going forward? What what's changed? You know, we are evaluating our decisions more closely. We were, if I'm allowed, and I don't mean this negatively, I think we fit a really nice status quo American family model before this. Our kids were involved in their individual activities, right? Going to school, all these are good things. We, I worked at the hospital, Nate ran his companies, we had a nice house, we had a cat, right? Um, <laughs> we went to church on Sunday, all good things. These are not bad things, uh, but I think we've realized that we want to rethink, is that what we want to return to? You know, there is a busyness that comes with that. And I want to be careful again to state, I'm not viewing these as negative. I'm just viewing these as, is this the right return, the right pathway for us going forward? And we don't know, but the nice, even down to simple, like when I went to buy a coat, I'm like, uh, you know, I had a lot of coats before. I really like coats apparently. And I remember <laughs> thinking like, I don't want to buy a lot of coats. I want a good one, you know, like still a little clearance, but, um, <laughs> so it's just, just rethinking things, you know, cause we have, we have nothing in materials, but we have so much wealth in terms of friends. Yeah. So we are really considering relationships are the most important. Yeah. So how do we make those a central part of our life? Mm. We thought it was by a house to involve people in. Maybe it's not, we don't know. We really don't know. We don't know. I I think I have the heart of an evangelist. I I love um, to help people to grow spiritually. It's, I think that energizes me more than anything else in my spiritual walk with God. I love watching people grow spiritually. And recently in Spokane, 
there was um i i was at a friend's house they had this big gathering of people um and a bunch of people i didn't know we didn't know most people there but we joined and the neighbor that lives there um grabbed me and said hey i, I got this they know about my faith and everything else they don't go to our church or anything but they said i mm-hmm. i got somebody i want you to meet i think they need to meet you mm-hmm. and i'm saying okay and um so we go and they introduce me to this guy named bobby and um bobby has he's lived a hard life he's gone through some in- intense stuff by choices that he has made and he's at a crossroads in his life where he says i want to be someone different and i want to live a different way and i don't know what that means and i just met this guy and by the end of the night like we're super deep uh with each other and so i give him this challenge he's well built physically and he knows about he goes to the gym um he's a fighter uh he's done a lot of boxing and things like that and so he has he knows about physical trainers and i said bobby i want to be your spiritual trainer Hmm. and a physical trainer. If you meet with them once a month and you're kind of half hearted about it, nothing happens. And I want to have some intense spiritual training with you. And for three months, I want you to read your Bible every day to meet with me every week, to come to church every week. And we're going to get you in spiritual shape. And at the end of this three months, you will know for the rest of your life, is this the fix to the problems I've been having or not? And if it's not fine, you, you tried it, you gave it, you're all great. But let me try and train you spiritually for three months. And he came to one service Sunday and that next Friday, my house burned to the ground. Mm. And I I look at things like that and I just feel like, why God, Mm. you know, why, why did that happen? And so I think one of the things I'm trying to figure out as we move forward is how do I still build with people? And I'm a little afraid to hop around too much that I can't get deep enough um, with right. people to, to right. really change their life. And I believe I can plant seeds without a doubt. And maybe right. somebody else needs to grow and water and, and find, maybe that's the path, but my heart yearns to help. I want to do all of the steps, you know, and help someone grow. And I don't, maybe God does. I don't know. I don't know yet, Rob, honestly, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. yeah for those who don't know us, we've been in Spokane for what, 21 years. And I definitely have always had wanderlust, but we just knew the value of making roots and getting involved in people's lives. So this has kind of thrown us for a loop. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading a book and it talked about how, you know, there's the, the dark underbelly of the digital nomads lifestyle. It's, it's glamorous. The appearance is really exciting. Travel, go different places, work from your laptop, but the, unspoken side is the shallowness of relationships. You're not, you're not really connecting. And, and there's even people in the church that they travel a lot there. I mean, a lot, a lot, you know, they're here maybe 50% of the time at the same time, they're expressing a desire. Hey, I want to make disciples. But, Mm -hmm. and I had to sit down and talk with them and say, listen, if you want to make disciples, you've got to be able to stay long enough in one, one spot to help at least help a person from interest phase to getting baptized and then a little and beyond. So it, that's a, cha- that's a real challenge. I can imagine for you guys to think through, okay, what, where are we going to go from here? Cause certainly you could travel the world, but there's a cost for that. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about that. Okay. I'm sure I, I, I've got a few more questions for you. Just, can you help me with the details? Like the aftermath, like, what what like what was what's the appraised value how are they going to replace the house can you talk a little bit about just the nuts and bolts of the mess you're left with in the wake of your your house burning to the ground uh it's a mess it's a mess <laughs> so okay let's hear so let's go with the 
you know, probably the, the main focus is that we are blessed that we live in a developed country where we have insurance. Now, unfortunately, we are substantially uninsured. Underinsured. Yeah, underinsured. That doesn't mean that we don't still have enough money to build a nice house. Nothing like the house that we have, right? So I think that's important to recognize. We, we do have that resource, right? It's still like a grieving process, you know, for, oh, that's, you know, that's a big hit. And and we, especially, actually, if I can interject. Oh, that, so when we, so we bought this house actually because of the proximity to the water. And we just, I love water. It does something to my soul. I'm a better disciple and husband and father <laughs> better when I'm near the water. I've learned this about myself. And um, we, when we bought the house, um, we, we were not planning on, on doing all that we ended up doing. Um, we thought maybe this was an investment property. We'll Airbnb it out. And then Megan said, how are we going to Airbnb this? If you won't ever leave this place. And I said, well, I'm not leaving this place. I'm a better disciple. Um, so we did a big remodel on the house as a result. Um, and we, we said, decided to set up home here. And unfortunately, um, when this remodel happened, Megan did what she should have. She called insurance to try to like mm -hmm. up it to the new value. Yeah. And they said, we will not insure you for that much. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, what we probably should have yeah. done is said, well, then we'll just go with a different insurance company. Um, and But who would have thought that in the moment, right? And so to Megan's credit, she said, well, what's the most we can get? And we got that, um, but we're still severely underinsured. So even if we... Mm -hmm rebuild with all that we're getting it won't be the same um and you know the we're in a world now where instead of the 2.25 interest rate that we had you know it's quite high um now and so that also affects our decisions what are we gonna do i don't know so we are really in the thick uh we don't have many answers we still don't have our rent value for how much we're allocated uh for a month and we're it's, i guess it's three weeks tomorrow so i only say that I mean, we're fine, right? We are so blessed by the generosity of my family and our friends. Yeah. I only say that just to say, we've realized this is going to be a very slow process mm. and involve a lot of paperwork and I hate adulting. <laughs> so this is going to be a challenge. So yeah. that's what we're working on. Like we, I started this, we have to itemize all the things that are in our house, which, you know, we didn't have, if anybody's listening to this, go take a video of your whole house and, and collect everything. Yeah. I wish we had a recent thing of that. We, we did not. Um, and we didn't have a fire safe either, but our neighbors didn't burn to the ground. So maybe that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we, you know, I have to, we have to like try to meditate, like think through each room and picture all the things that were there. And then we have to write all this down and they want every item that you have, the value of that item, the years, how old is that item? Like down to like a toothbrush, you know, they want like everything. And so I spent three hours I have started a spreadsheet. I spent three hours on it and I've not even made a tiny dent into what we have to do. So part of me is like a little bitter at God, if I'm totally honest, like this is a waste of my life. God, like I, there, this, I don't want to spend my time on possessions. You know, I want to spend my time on, on people and more important things. And I don't, I don't know. I hate this process of insurance, to be honest. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I haven't figured out yet uh, the solution to that. So we're blessed to have insurance. We're cursed to have insurance. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's right. What was the square footage of the home? Just over 6,000. Uh, that was, we had a, what was a 4,100 square foot house. Then we had built a guest house where we actually had this Which... remarkable guest stay there. Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard of an Anne and Felipe? Uh, Anne Skinner lived there. So that was or more ice, I guess. about 2,300 square feet. So yeah. Wow. And even with that, like we, we that's a lot of square footage, you yeah. know, I understand yeah. that. Um, 
but we we truly were like bring people in all the time sure. um like your daughter and and so that was confusing to me too like we we gave it we gave it back why i don't i'll never i don't know i don't understand <laughs> yeah little details but the boat was saved oh yeah. okay <laughs> let's talk about this really quick so if you're wondering who does god love more nate or megan it was definitely decided by the fire because the boat still drives and megan's house is destroyed so that became evident so mad when i saw that she was <laughs> when she saw that i'll come you can keep your boat and i don't have to keep my house the boat was it was out on the dock um and so it has the, the cover on it um has it looks like you know molten holes all over it looks like it was in a war zone and all the upholstery has holes everywhere on it but mechanically it actually ironically um seems fine oh now we know <laughs> oh my gosh okay how can how can people help or encourage or support you during this time i don't know i don't know <laughs> i mean that's the hard thing is i feel like right now the, the our basic needs are met uh, thankfully. And so many people yeah. without asking sent care packages and gifts. In fact, I remember right after Megan was talking about like, I think there were maybe even tears involved. Like I don't have fingernail clippers anymore. And then we received a gift and there's fingernail clippers in there. You know? That's pretty cool. Uh, and so it, that was really cool. So our, our basic needs are definitely met. I think now is just the long arduous journey of, of rebuilding and figuring out, God, what do you want from us? And one of my fears, what I, what I really would ask people for is, is prayers. Uh, yeah. genuinely, because I don't want to misstep here. And I think in the in the Bible, you see so many times where people were waiting on God, they got impatient waiting on God, and they took it into their own hands to do something else, and it went poorly for them. And you see that repetitively in the Bible. I don't want to be one of those stories. Right. And so we're trying to figure out how do we be patient, as patient as we yeah. need to, but not idle. Um, and I'm not good at being idle. Uh, I want to do things. Um, and and that's hard, I think, for a type A person to be patient on God. And it's not because I'm faithless. I want to know God's answer. But when do I move and when do I stay, God? And it's not clear to me what he wants. So I would love people's prayers. Okay. Yeah, Got to it. emphasize that. And, you know, if possible, to pray for our children. This hmm. has been harder than I expected for our children. And one in particular, I won't name her, I respect for her. But it's it's hard. They have been uprooted. They have lost their comforts, you know, whether it's a stuffed panda or a trophy and their cat, you know, so, so this has been challenging. Uh, so I, I do. And also I know Nate and I, we both struggle with the same thing and we like to achieve and get things done and, uh, and we can't really do that. So I just pray to be able to be present and not think, okay, once I have my house back or I have a house then I can start living my life, you know, because I think that'll be a battle I will fight. So in my internally. Yeah, that whole, you know, do not worry about tomorrow verse is my least favorite verse in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. what was the, what was the date that it burned down? August 18th, about 8 or 9 p.m. or 7 p.m. I don't know, actually, sometime that night. August yeah. 8, 18th, 19th? August 18th. Friday the 18th. Yeah, we got the evacuation notice around 3.30 or so, and by around 8 or so, the house was gone. So oh less than sooner than that. We don't really know because none of us were there, but yeah. it was shortly after that. It's pretty crazy. So, okay. 
And then since that time, so that's, I guess, three, like you said, three weeks, you just have been living different places, living with people, or what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, we're, we're I, I feel, one thing I will say um, is going through this process, you know, the news cycle wants you to lose all hope in humanity, frankly, and I think they've got it wrong. Uh, and, and I really feel like, you know, there's so much good out there in the world, and it may be hidden amidst the new cycle, uh, but there's phenomenal good. And the, the outpouring of people who have said, you can live with us, you can live with people don't even know us, you know, are like, hey, come live with me, you have a place to live here and all. I mean, it has been incredible to, to hear that people literally have been, some people have been fighting over when we come <laughs> into Spokane, like who the Chandeliers are going to stay with. And yeah. I feel very, very grateful for that. At the same time, we're 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 a lot. The Shadowler family's a lot. Uh, we're a family <laughs> of five, and we're not a quiet family of five. <laughs> um, and I need, you know, I I have to keep working during all of this, and so I need a more private place. Like I'm doing annual reviews today and doing another one tomorrow and stuff. And I gotta, I need to be private when I'm doing these different things. So I need some form of an office space. So we're we're kind of a lot, um, mm -hmm. frankly, and. We've stayed at a lot of different people's houses. We go back to Spokane. We still have um, here. We're mostly set up with Megan's brother in Eagle, Idaho. Um, he uh, is very blessed, or he's very uh, well off financially, I should say. And so he has lots of room for us in his home. And I'm very grateful for that. He's been amazing. So generous. Absolutely. Um, it does. On the one hand, Megan's mom lives here as well, actually. And so it's nice that she can get, we can all get time with her family. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, that's not as normal for us. And so it's nice that this moment of time, we get more yeah. than we normally do. And our kids get time with their cousins and their, yeah. their grandparents and everything else. But at the same time, I miss my friends and our kids miss their friends. And that's in Spokane. And right. so we, we're trying to navigate that as well. Right. What, what have you learned from this that could benefit those listening? Yeah. I remember thinking about something along those lines and I, it's so simple and probably not helpful at all, but I do think invest in relationships because at the end of the day, that's really what matters. And I'm, I'm not good at that, but I know it's important. So I try. So, and we put our schedule around people over things and really work at that. I uh, still have a long ways to go and actually is telling, sharing with the kids. I'm really trying to work at being better at connecting the conversation and I've got a lot of growth. So yeah, value relationships are so important because when everything else is gone, that's what's kind of left. I would add, um, stay open. And I mean, open with uh, God for sure. Uh, open with people and open with yourself. And here's what I mean by that. We, we had the um, maybe this was a week ago, I think we had a family dinner together. It was just our family. And mm -hmm. um, I just asked everybody, all of, all of us, you know, how are you processing this? And any mm -hmm. and everything is okay that you've been feeling along this way. And um, I shared for myself, I said, you know, I've gone through the stages of grief are very accurate. Um, and so it was definitely shock at first. And then I felt intense grief um, going back to the property. And it looks like Mordor there. I mean, it's insane. There was 240 homes lost and it's just black everywhere. And yeah. we could, you can't breathe right. And I mean, it's, it, mm -hmm. it's crazy. It feels like Lord of the Rings. Um, and I just wept and wept and it felt intense grief um, and confusion. And then I felt frankly, a lot of anger at God. Um, and I felt like I, I wanted our kids to feel like that's okay. 
Um, and you can tell God that. And I have told God that. And I wanted them to hear their father say that and that they could feel safe to feel whatever they're feeling at the time. And um, and so then I felt, I think after that, I, I got to, I had two days where I felt numb. I felt nothing whatsoever, zero emotions. Mm -hmm. And those were actually the scariest days for me. And I've, I've never been in that before ever in my life. And it scared me actually. Um, and to the point I texted uh, a few, Chris Schwarzmer and another dear brother, and um, just, I had to be open with them and say, please pray for me. Cause this is not a place I want to remain in at all. And they both immediately reached out, you know, and called and talked. It was very cathartic and healthy, I think, for me to have that conversations with them. Um, but just stay open. And Meg and I go on daily prayer walks together. We're fortunate there's a trail um, right by us. And that has helped us to process and stay grounded a lot. Um, but don't try and pretend you're not angry or hurt or upset or confused or whatever. Talk about it, process it, get through it. Right. Wow. Nate and Megan, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. And again, so sorry for what you've gone through, but thank you so much for sharing it with, with me, with our listeners. And uh, we're definitely going to be praying for you. Uh, you've always got a home in Tucson. If you, <laughs> you've got a, you've got a place to stay. <laughs> we might visit. We got a suitcase. We'll travel. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First of all, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find both of them on Amazon.com or you can go to robskinner.com where I've got the links there. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.